Hello, welcome to Remember When. I'm Carl Schulteis, president of the King of Prussia Historical Society, and I'll be your host for this television series. UMGA-TV and the Historical Society are continuing this series as an oral history project of life and community in Upper Marion Township. In their own words, we want the people who live the history of Upper Marion Township to tell us about that history. This edition features Henry Backey. Henry tells us about his early years in King of Prussia, where he started a group of construction companies. His involvement in the community, which included the Boy Scouts and Mother Divine Providence Church. Let's sit back and listen to Henry remember when. Well, Henry, well, thanks for coming by today and, uh, and talking to us and to give us some of your experiences. Well, I appreciate it, Doctor. Mm -hmm. You also took care of a lot of my children. <laughs> yes. Covered for Dr. Royster, I remember that That's years right. ago. Yeah. So I um, understand you're Philadelphia bred and born here. Tell yes, us, uh, born tell, us a bit about, tell us a bit about what you remember there in your I early years. Was born in 1930 and uh, stayed there till I went in the Marine Corps and came out here. Uh -huh. yeah. And uh, I, re I remembered you used to have to have uh, block ice for the ice box, coal for heat, and that was an experience there. And then when we got into the Second World War, we had uh, food stamps and gas stamps for rationing. And I'll never forget one time, I think butter was hard to get. And uh, my brother was in the Second World War, mm -hmm. and he said the Russians used to take the butter and grease their tracks. They didn't know what butter was, but it greased their tracks <laughs> on their track vehicles <laughs> there. <laughs> remember, but, remember the margarine you used to get that you had to mix? No, I wasn't, didn't do much cooking. Did you? I, okay. I cut string beans and stuff like that yeah, yeah. For, the, for the family. And then, but I do remember uh, that my father, when I was probably uh, still in grammar school, he would drive me out to the spring by the hanging rock right. to get spring water. Right. So I guess that's the first time I got near the air, but that was probably in the, in the late uh, 30s. And then... Early 40s, I was a delivery boy for Lou's Market, and then uh, I graduated from St. Joe's Prep in 48 and LaSalle College in 52. In those eight years, I worked as a busboy in the tavern in Valakimwin. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, I rode for eight years for it each, and uh, Dad will got oh, it tomorrow okay. and Saturday. Uh, okay. Yeah. And uh, who'd you row for? LaSalle, well, St. Joe's Prep from LaSalle College. Right, huh. There, yes. And we, yeah, we won the Dad Vale in 52. We actually won it the team in 51, 52, and 53. Okay. And they've started 50 years now, we row. Used to only be 25. 25. So I rowed in 52. There's only about four people alive in the 51 boat, so they've got me rowing. <laughs> to drive out the King of Prussia, to get a good club sandwich. I think it's about where Chi Chi's is. If I remember, I think there was a driving range across the way. Yeah, somebody mentioned that. And uh, very interesting, but the one thing was interesting. One time we were driving out and coming up by the, by the hanging rock, a truck full of those chicken cages with chickens and hit it. <laughs> So we must have spent two hours trying to help him gather his chickens up. So uh, I'll never forget that when they're in that creek there. But uh, they don't do it that way anymore. And I think the, the guy was a farmer. He said, oh, geez, there goes my month's 
money. Uh-huh. And you said you t- spent some time in the Marines. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I, I joined in 52 and got out in 54. Fortunately, I, I was in officer school and uh, in special training for 26 weeks. But at the 22nd week, the Korean War was over. So we had a lot of celebrations mm-hmm. of that. So fortunately, I didn't get because mm-hmm. second lieutenants for just cannon fodder. Yeah. The sergeants ran the platoon. That's right. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> and my brother talked me into that. He right. was in the Second World War and the Korean. He was a captain mm-hmm. there. So he talked me into joining right. while I was up at school. So, But it's something that does do you good. Oh, it's hard when you're doing it, but you don't regret it there. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. I tried to talk my grandson who graduated a year ago to go in there, but... Uh, I didn't have much luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In 1954, <clears throat> we formed a, a, a partnership, Dan McDevitt, a classmate of mine, and uh, he was in Japan. And he had worked for um, Harry Erb, who was a paving contractor out here. I don't know whether you remember that, in asphalt paving in King of Prussia. And I had worked for McCluskey and Company, uh, building a swimming pool at St. Charles Seminary. So. We were sitting around one day, <clears throat> and if you remember, the New Jersey Turnpike was four lanes, two on each side. Mm-hmm. Well, they decided to add a third lane. And the problem is their asphalt, our mud jacking and pressure grounding doesn't usually work on asphalt, but the bridge approaches had settled, and when they brought the new road in, they wanted those to be on grade. So <clears throat> George M. Brewster was the contractor, and Nobody did mud jacking, and uh, Dan's father was worked for France Equipment, and Dan and I had worked in the parts department one summer there down in Winfield. They had the Alice Chalmer, which is now out here with the uh, uh, El- El- Jumbo Elliott was there then, but his son has it out here, Elliott in France. So, um, I guess it was uh, Conduit and Foundation was the corporation, and. Uh, I'll, I'll think of it as Harry Holleran was the owner of that. They were very big, <clears throat> and he had bought a coring mud jack. <clears throat> what, what's a, what is a mud jack? <laughs> well, a coring mud jack was is the, you drill a hole about two and five eighths in the highway, and you connect the nipple to it, and then under pressure you pump the. the then we used topsoil and cement, mm-hmm. and you raise the slab back up. Mm-hmm. That's what mud jacking is. <clears throat> we had never heard of it, and fortunately, when we dealt with engineers. They didn't know anything. They never heard of it. So at least we had knew it before. And that's where education came in, because mm-hmm. as long as you, your thoughts to them sounded good, they went along. So much to our surprise, these slabs on the turnpike uh, came up very easy because they're thick. <clears throat> and uh, so that got us started in mudjacking. And then <clears throat> Harry Halloran, I guess, passed away about five years ago, and I guess it was his 80th birthday. He had rented us the equipment, and it was probably about a seven or $8,000 piece of equipment then. And he sent us a bill, and we sent a check, and we never, he never cashed it. So it is, uh, I guess it was his 85th birthday. I said, Harry, you're awful quiet sitting over in the corner. He said, Harry, I'm figuring out the interest on that check <laughs> in cash. But, these are the type of people that in those days that worked, and we worked from McCluskey and McShane. <clears throat> and as you know, they, they, they would battle, but they were great friends. Uh-huh. I'll never forget, we worked on the Chestnut Street Bridge Pier on the um, west side. 
Uh, and the coffer dam, evidently the cement of the concrete got flushed out with the pump keeping it down by some mistake. So <clears throat> we went around grouting it in stages and with cement and fly ash came into the picture then. And uh, the engineers was Richard and Gordon and he said to, to um, Matt McCluskey, he said, look, if you use, leave the coffer dam in, we will accept it now with all the grout that's probably in there and so forth. So I asked Matt, why didn't you do that? Well, it was John McShane's coffer dam steel. Oh. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm, I need that on the Market Street job. But that's <laughs> just the way, but uh, that's, uh, that cost him a lot of money there. But anyway, it, uh, uh, we had a lot of fun. We did a lot of work in Sun Oil and learned there's Bill Cockett was a manager. I guess we spent two years in there jacking the tanks uh, uh, up mm -hmm. and stabilizing and everything in there. So uh, it just, I guess it took off. And then we, I got married in 1956. And that's when I, we came out. We had bought a yard the year before on Ross Road, <clears throat> which is Ross like Barline Road. And we actually, if we wanted our mail delivered, we had to use King of Prussia for the post office. Mm -hmm. So we were, people didn't know where we were. Then it was still a prestigious address right. there. So <clears throat> we bought the house and that's when we started to raise, well, we ended up with eight children and MDP, there was only the, uh, the rectory was where we had mass out on the patio. Where was your house? 243 Pleasant Valley. Valley. We bought that for uh, a little under 14000 on the GI Bill with no down payment. So you couldn't beat it. <laughs> <laughs> we ran out of space after about <clears throat> six of the kids, and then we, um, or five or six, and then so we moved to Hughes Road, and we built Dick Kelly. I ran into a lot of local King of Prussia people there. We had uh, Lloyd Mullen, <clears throat> and as far as they have the house across from the, along the Turnpike and Allendale Road. And I'll never forget the father built a race car and always had it in the garage. But <clears throat> my wife said, you're not going to go <laughs> with him. <laughs> but uh, Lloyd did my excavating, and then I read Richard Kelly. We started to develop the, the park down there called the King of Prussia Business and Industry Center. and. Dick started building and I met him and then we had Bill Keel was actually he was the plasterer for him I think and uh, Jim Keel was steel and welding and uh, John Sitars uh, and John Costello were the plumbing people that did the work for and uh, you know we never had contracts in those days and I used to get Dick Kelly did on time material and I would say Dick you're you're expensive, but honest, because I didn't know that much about a building, didn't have the time. And yeah. at that time, if you remember, that's when Chuck Volpe, they were members of the ABC, and he got his equipment all burned. And uh -huh. he and Dick worked a lot together on that. And uh, Dick did a lot for uh, <clears throat> Len Toes, built his houses and so forth. Okay. And uh, I guess we, we, we kept those friends ever, ever since, since there. And uh, what happened down there was Oh, the other thing I forgot when we in the house when we first that was if you remember was the atomic bomb threat. Yes. And I think I I was thinking of selling the Wonder Building made one, but uh, I just bought one and put it in the cellar 
Describe, they, talk, describe that, uh, what they well, were like. And what, basically, and what the, the one they're building was just like an igloo, igloo mm -hmm. shape. But they told us that if you had door, if you had openings and took right angles, the 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 results of the nuclear attack would not wouldn't take that path. And in fact, my friend Joe Ward next door, who was also in the Marines, mm -hmm. he had the seller stock for about two months. So I told him, "Mackerel, Joe, have I stocked that much food for my eight kids? I was only six then." So I said, oh, "We're going to build a tunnel over your cellar <laughs> if it gets tough there." But uh, Fortunately, you know, that never happened, but yeah. it was a scare back then. Well, the Russians, we were afraid, was going to drop the bomb. No. In the same way, like Reagan uh, had the problem, I think it was Reagan on the Bay of, Bay of Pigs problem in Cuba, and mm -hmm. the Russians came over, and they really thought we were going to get it, if you remember. Right. And finally, at the last minute, the Russians turned around. Uh, you know, they had red phones in Russia right. and here, and they weren't as friendly there. And in fact, <clears throat> there's an excellent movie out about the Russians testing in a submarine that finally had a, uh, they were testing up there. Mm -hmm. And many a times they were set. And of course, as you know, we had the first atomic bomb to uh, the only way we could solve the problem with the Japanese. And that's what do you do with your bomb shelter now? <laughs> oh, it's just, I don't know whether it's still in the cellar. I know I ran into Patty Jones, who was down the street. She got married and lived in the house. Uh, the first person bought it, and she lived in it for 10 years. I saw her in church. Uh -huh. And uh, so I, I, I couldn't answer that question there. <laughs> but I doubt if it's there, because it took up a lot of space. You know, you were, well, there's just like you build... Uh, well, you got the hut restaurant down there in the church in Crooked Lane has a roof. You know, a lot of roofs there, there, mm -hmm. and the arch, and that's basically what it was: is a miniature and all all steel, and you bolted it together, and just had. Yeah. And you put this. Was it yours in the basement, or did you bury this outside? No, no, no. I wouldn't bury it outside. They yeah. said as long as you're down there and the right angles was important. I mean, they, if you go out and he said, if you go out and dig a big hole, well, you already got a big hole where you are. It's, it's below grade anyway. Right. And it's got concrete around it. So that'll help. But I don't remember anybody <clears throat> doing it out, outside. But uh, I guess the important thing about those times were you weren't afraid of anybody cheating or anything. I mean, yeah. you just uh, no sign contracts. Mm -hmm. We always said the contract's only as good as the person that signs it. So right. what's the difference? But uh, it's a shame today all the money we waste protecting people and uh, all the problems, but that, that's what we could spend hours on that. And my wife is a saint. She was Mary Frances Haney. She went to West Catholic and graduated in 50, and she just had her 50th out of Immaculata they celebrated last week there. She went there and, uh, and you just kept having kids. You didn't. <laughs> And actually, we had to go to the store in Norristown, I remember. And uh, then Walt Perry came with the delicatessen. And uh, Walt was such a super person, I remember him. He never had a bad word for anybody. He would, I remember there was a guy, I can't, uh, there was an Italian name. I can't, but rather, he used to remember, he'd come in and he'd say, Walt would say, where do you get your paycheck? You know, yeah. and then come in and pay me. But that's the type of person he, he was. was. And Scanapico was his name. Yeah. Ed Scanapico. Yeah. Yes. That, that, uh, 
And then, of course, Walt passed away, as you yeah. know, a number yeah. of years ago. His wife's still alive, I'm glad to hear. There. Was the Valley Forge Shopping Center no, there I, when you first came? No, I don't think so, because if it was, it was very small, because I don't think we used to go over to Narstown yeah. or down to Demetrius's mm -hmm. in Bridgeport. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure about that, but I don't think it uh, was there when we first came. Okay. If it was, there wasn't that much anything there. And, and uh, you were describing Mother Divine Providence Church when it first started out. Yes, well, we celebrated 50 years right. uh, this year. And uh, <clears throat> an excellent pastor, the first was Father McGrory. He was uh, very difficult to, to beat, uh, except it was interesting. <clears throat> I had a friend that became a priest from his friendship at school, Bob Collin. Actually, he started Rice Bowl. So he was ordained, and I asked him to baptize the baby. And all, McGorry says, well, does he have his privileges? I said, well, does like privileges, what do you mean? But evidently, you don't get your privileges till a month or two after you're ordained or something. Yeah, so he, but Bob stood by. He uh -huh. just had the father do it. But he was a very uh, patient person, Father McGorry. Right. And I know <clears throat> Richard Kelly, I think, built the addition on the rectory or the convent and the school. The, the school was there before the church. And we had mass over there after the rectory. And uh, I know we, we joined the two buildings of the school and the gym and closed it. And between Dick and his uh, men, and I had some, and so we, we told Father it's not going to exceed 10,000. And most of all, I'm contributed. But it, it, it was just a lot of fun. There was Ricky Ollie was the brick man. And of course, you had the keels. And, Jim Keel, you know, they're all, but it, uh, and, that, and then that's where they have the uh, kitchen right. in there now. But uh, this has been a part of our life <clears throat> there. The, uh, the, t the time you spent here in, uh, in King of Prussia, you know, the, uh, uh, the, some of the local things that you've done here in King of Prussia, what can you tell us about that? Well, I, I used to do a lot of uh, consulting on sinkholes with the township, mm -hmm. and uh, of course, one of my problems was I was not an engineer. I was an accounting major mm -hmm. and a, a minor in industrial management. Mm -hmm. So, you know, today you can't do anything unless you're, you can't even testify <laughs> in court unless yeah, you're a uh, registered back, yeah, yeah. Uh, background. Uh -huh. So, uh, what, uh, and we did a lot of gratuity for the township. Al Detman, they worked for the Corps of Engineers uh -huh. when I, we split up and took different companies right. and I took the real estate and the consulting. And Al, the Corps of Engineers with their permission, of course they didn't pay their people, but Al was our top geologist and he's been gotten there. He was our engineering geologist mm -hmm. and he's drawn, drawn a lot of stuff for the township and so forth. And uh, uh, we got paid something from the township, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, they, but it, it was a lot of fun. I'm trying to think of the old gentleman was the first guy, he was tall. I don't think he was an engineer, but he knew more than anything about it. When we left the turnpike, George M. Brewster was a big contractor, and uh, he got the contract for the Kettle Creek Dam. Since you're a mountain person, you must know where that is by Renova. It's now called some governor's name. But that was, that, Renova is where they, Pennsylvania, where they repaired all the railroad cars. Yeah, well, I've been in Renova. Okay, well, you just keep going west about 10 miles, and you cross Kettle Creek, and you uh -huh. go right, and I think, I think it's called the Alvin Bush Dam now. 
Is this on the Susquehanna or what? No, this would be a dam on that like dammed the Kettle Creek. Yeah, and okay. created it. And <clears throat> Brewster said, "Why don't you come up and do the drilling and growling?" And I said, "We never." I said, "I really have never done a dam, and growling is it's another form of my jacking." So he said, "Henry." I've never built a dam either, so we'll go up and learn. <laughs> okay. And it was a, it was amazing. Uh -huh. And uh, but we learned a lot. And uh, actually, it turned out that that's the first job we got paid when we were over in quantities at better rate because we were putting cement. You drill a hole in the rock if, when they excavate it, and then seal the seams so the water doesn't uh, enter underneath. So, and you go up the side of the hill and you're drilling in the rock which was fun we had fun <laughs> and we brought some of our our boys up uh with us because we had a lot of when we were at sun oil uh you could call up the union at seven o'clock and get 20 people that would work like crazy mm -hmm. today you're let, let alone to get one <laughs> but anyway so we had these these two boys and uh I don't think this will cause a problem. I had nothing as far as race, and they're my best workers. But uh, there was Charlie McGee and Aaron Freeman. Charlie was tall and good-looking, and Aaron was uh, small. Mm -hmm. And they were in town, and they had trouble getting a spot. So the first night, we had a big tank to store our water we pumped up. It was probably a rectangle, about 10 feet by 20 and so forth. So they said, this is beautiful because in the park, they had a cooking thing there that right. was built. And they said, we're going to sleep in the, we love it up here. We don't worry about us getting a room. Next morning we come up, we can't find them. So we start hollering. Well, they're in the tank because the bear came. <laughs> and then, then uh, we went downtown and finally uh, one of the bar uh, owners had a room up top and he mm -hmm. said, look, I'll put them up. So I think three days later, uh, Aaron, the small one, came out and he said, you know, the young children are coming up rubbing me. They had never seen a black person. Uh -huh. And they thought maybe it would rub <laughs> off. But uh, we just had a lot of fun with it. Probably both of them worked with me at least 20-some uh, years. Uh, the sinkholes here in, in King of Prussia. Uh, is there a pattern in which, uh, or a certain area that they... they uh, uh, are more pre more prevalent? Yeah, there's a limestone area that, that's called the. Uh, let me get this out. The government has a lot of stuff on it. This is King of Prussia, and this is from the soil survey from Montgomery County. And what they're telling you is along the turnpike, you're in the limestone that has the pinnacles and the, what happens is the limestone is very hard and it's from the Cambrian age. That's why we formed a company called Cambrian that does the consulting. Okay. And the water erodes it, just like, you know, all rivers are made from erosion. And then the higher the acidic, the faster it is. And you have these pinnacles coming up and you might have a space of five or 10 feet. Uh, we have clay in this area, basically, uh, which they don't widen too greatly, except at the plaza, you know, where the 
parking lot was. Right. It looked like they had a football field out before they built there. Remember right. that big depression right. there? Mm -hmm. And of course, they've had num numera, numerous ones since. So where in Florida, the materials like alluvial are like a sand and they're, they're like 60 to 100 feet wide when they occur down there. But um, Al Detman knew his rock and he's, he has a drawing here someplace where he colored in the whole the street map back years ago. And uh, talk about your scouting experiences here. Well, I, I started by getting involved uh, in St. Matthias. I lived in Philadelphia, we went to school. That was our parish, St. Matthias, and we had a scout program, so I joined the scouts then. And uh, I started having boys, I, and the MDP had an excellent one with the different uh, Alan Neves and uh, Smirk and right. Campbell and all those right. guys. So I started with... Um, the Troop 481. Yes, Mary Neves was the head of the scouts, so she taught me into being a Cub Scout leader. and. Mm -hmm. uh, it was 67 and we had a lot of fun. I fortunately had <clears throat> grounds to do a lot of things. And uh, usually there was a lady who was the, was the cub. So I was the first man. <laughs> but we had a lot of fun and we even took camping. And then Michael, the oldest boy, he went into scouts and became an Eagle Scout. Right. And he was going to camp and uh, we just had a, a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I used to see Michael up at the, uh, he was a counselor yeah. at one of the camps yeah. too. Resica Falls. Resica Falls. Falls. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I spent uh, I spent a, a a number of summers with Michael up there at Resica Falls. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, and he uh, actually was Michael. You know, he was very smart. He was, he read, uh -huh. and uh, he wanted to be a forester. Right. And he went out to Penn State in Chambersburg, I think, to have it near there, and. He was supposed to stay there two years, and for some reason, he found a way in a year to get up to main campus. Okay. <laughs> and that, that was a few years wasted, but he finally graduated, yeah. and uh, he's done very well. well it's uh, Olympus Engineering, Environmental Engineering, engineering. and they, they, and he's got married late in life mm -hmm. there. Yeah, what are some of the things you did to, to, with your scouting trips, do you to recall? Oh, yeah, we, we'd go out camping, and... Uh, not as much with the Cub Scouts, but uh -huh. they would ask for volunteers when the Boy Scouts went out right. in the games. And, uh, you know, you'd have some counselors would like to play tricks on the, <laughs> on, the, uh, on the kids. I know one of the things that I guess when I joined, I was looking for a skyhook for two days. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the other thing. We, I passed that on to them. <laughs> so... Uh, uh -huh. But, uh, and I just think that's what, why I <clears throat> got out of the contract again in the business, because I was traveling and with the eight kids and I would never been able to benefit myself even right. with the kids there. And uh, I think that 481 was a, a great troop. Um, and most of my kids were, they were Cub Scouts and uh -huh. some of them were Boy Scouts. I know Henry became, most of them were Cub Scouts. That's probably because I was the leader. They might not have had a choice. <laughs> <laughs> and my daughter, Maureen, was in Villanova Engineering. Uh, so Maureen's, she's about 47, so 47 years, high school, college age. But they invited Buckminster Fuller okay. to yeah. come to talk. Right. And she said, Dad, 
at just the engineering students is I'm allowed to bring one person. And so I went. He was a dynamo. I don't know whether you ever heard Buckminster Fuller talk. No, I've never heard. He jumped up and down and he sold me. So we got involved with the geodesic dome, which uh -huh. uh, at this point I had gotten out of the contracting and uh, uh, I got Dick Kelly involved too and we built the Conley uh, Copy Center down here. Right. Oh, is that? Yeah. yeah. That was our, my office was in there and uh, Alpha Real is with Brad McManus and uh, there's one on West uh, Matson Ford Road in West Conshohocken and then Joe Flynn has one on the roof along the turnpike. Uh, they were all built by um, mostly, yeah, they were Dick Kelly. Uh -huh. uh, we called it Dick Kelback, I think was the name of that. Yeah. But we had a lot of fun. But the problem was everybody expected to be cheap. Uh -huh. But if you build a single home and a single dome, there wasn't much difference. You really had to get a, a group of them. So right. I guess we spent two, three years, but uh, we didn't make any money. But uh, <laughs> the cap is out of trouble. <laughs> but it, it, it made sense. And uh, I know he's happy yeah. with it. Well, tell us about uh, what's the advantage of this geodesic dome as far as... Uh, well, it's made with all triangles, which is the strongest form of a, of a unit. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that the, the heat right. does a lot of natural circulation. And actually, the other thing, I don't think then, but if, if you went in and had a radio going, it'd be like a stereo. That's why the restaurants mm -hmm. in other states, they hang uh, rugs uh -huh. to absorb that right. noise. And of course, it's strong. And yeah. it could go up quick. I mean, we've got the, we've got the dome on the South Pole, mm -hmm. which is basically the same principle. Right. Well, the triangles are probably only about uh, oh, they're a perfect rectangle, and they're probably not about more than four or five feet pieces of wood with a couple of things. And right. you know, you just get up and bowl them together, right. and you keep Easy. going. Easy. Roofers didn't like them. We had, no. the, we had the roofer. <laughs> you look at that roof. It's, <laughs> it's not easy. They didn't have the lift buggies that they have today. But I really was sold on him, and he made sense. In fact, I have a letter he sent me when I got into it congratulating me. He was going to try to get up here for the one that we built on Matson Ford Road. But he was down in Drexel, I think it was. He was teaching. But he was a, and his, his theory, you know, there's an awful lot of domes around there in the country, not houses, but. Uh, and they're perfect in the mountains. Uh -huh. And then we had, we ever hear of the Top Sider? Top Sider? No. They're in North Carolina. Uh, it's built like about a, oh, six-sided, and they build them up like they're in the treetops. Okay. There's a whole development. We okay. were selling those, too. Actually, that would be because I go down now south, and God, they're all over the place. You uh -huh. know, and, and they're in the, the islands. They, they're just... Yeah. You've seen them, they're just like eight-sided, where everything go around with all glass and everything. Uh -huh. But uh, we, we also got into grouting equipment uh -huh. when I got out, and we sell it, and that's what Joe does, it's sells it. and rents it, right. and uh, besides help people want to do the work. And then uh, I've been a member of the ACI and the uh, grouting committee, uh -huh. 552, for years, and right. I gave a paper up uh -huh. on the equipment up in uh, Canada years ago. Right. And... And that other stuff, we've done a paper on limestone for the Lehigh County uh, ASCE, and yeah. that stuff is in the brochures. But uh, Al was also very good. We did a lot of papers together. 
I was the common sense, he was the engineer, but <laughs> he died. Uh -huh. In fact, his wife came over to the house this morning and uh, her car, she came back from Florida with that car train and her car got swiped the doors. <laughs> oh, this you know, she wasn't in it. Yeah. Know, the rank. But uh, uh, I think if there's time is, I think everybody's familiar with ground zero. Uh -huh. And uh, our equipment is involved on this. But uh, in the old days, ground anchors were only put into rock. Now, with the buildings like down in Philly, the Kimmel Center and all that, there's, they can't excavate over the sidewalks. So what they do is they work their way down. They excavate five feet and put okay. these anchors back into the wall. You can do them in soil, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, then they finish that area, and then they go down another five feet. I see. And that's the way it's done with these tiebacks that are called tiebacks. Before there were anchors, but tieback can be in rock or soil. And what you do, you blow up a big bulb of grout down in there as the anchor for it. And it stays in the soil, it doesn't pull the soil out, huh? No, well, no, you're not on real big buildings. Yeah. Like uh, th this is the uh, financial center right across from ground zero, mm -hmm. which the that was a job our equipment was on. Mm -hmm. And then when Ground Zero happened, uh, this is my son Joe over there working with the equipment. We make the mixers and the pumps to pump the grout uh, to uh, anchor these things. There they went 65 feet on an angle into the rock mm -hmm. there. And of course, when we first started over there. That's what it looked like. It's uh, not a pretty sight. But mm. as they finally got rid of the rubble, you heard them talk about, this is a slurry wall. There's been a number of articles you would see, and uh, that is because they're so far below the East River. And that whole block, in all those buildings, there's like seven buildings, I think, in the World Trade Center complex. and. They've adapted what they call a slurry wall. And what happens here is they, they can't dig down 65 feet, okay? So what they do is to start the slurry wall, they dig a trench and they work their way down. And as they're bringing out the, the earth or the rock, they, they pump a bentonite mix, which is like a driller's mud. He, he keeps his core boring hole open from collapsing, you know, so he can go any depth. And then after they get the, down to the depth they want, the bottom, which is about, I think, 65 feet, the, the basement is in the uh, there. And actually, it's, it's amazing. They had a lot of evidence of guns for trials and money, gold bars and everything is probably still down there. But then after they do that, well, they drop the concrete. They treat me. It treat me means you put it in a pipe and start at the bottom up. And... Then now you've got a concrete wall, and they also put some rods in it, steel rods in the case. Mm. But the, then what they do is to what they call tiebacks. Now they've got to anchor this wall just temporarily till they get a chance to come across with like the concrete floors of the parking garage and everything mm -hmm. to brace it. Right. And it's also the waterproofing for the whole complex over there. 
So they found out the engineer said, looks like we're going to have to go back because the, the wall did start to move in one section and bowed out. So the engineer said, we're going to go back and redo them all again. Mm -hmm. And they, they did. And this gives you an idea. That's what it looks up close to the anchor after they're done. And then to test them, they put a center hole jack around the reinforcing rods and you know, the engineer gives them the strength that they've got to hold. Mm -hmm. And now that's temporary. Depending on the building, if they start building again, they're, I don't know what they're going to do with certain things. They're still not really certain what's going to happen over there. Sure. Everybody objects to, has a different idea, but it's, a, it's today, and actually all of today in, in the cities, there's no place to, you've got to, you have a hundred foot building that's about all you have to build, you know, because you can't give up 30-foot frontage in right. downtown at the Kimmel Center. Uh, you know, you'd be over at the, the east side of uh, uh, Broad Street to try to hold it up, yep. you know, to let it right. be natural right. there. But uh, so actually today the field is so big, grounding, it's just amazing. But grounding is an art. Mm -hmm. It's not a science. And, of course, engineers don't believe in arts. <laughs> so uh, we have arguments at the ACI meetings there. But you've got to convince the person that it's an art. We're not giving you a science there. This, this is basically geologic, geologic hazards in Pennsylvania. And it's, 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 it's printed by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Department oh. of Resources. But it says, subsidence and sinkholes. Subsidence is the downward movement of surface material. It involves little or no horizontal movement. Natural subsidence is most pronounced where the bedrock consists of limestone or dolomite and is related to the solution of these two rock types, which based upon their chemical composition are referred to as carbonate rocks. Natural surface subsidence is considered to be a geologic hazard. Surface subsidence resulting from underground mining or from excessive pumping of groundwater is not classified as natural geological hazard because these activities cause otherwise stable ground to become unstable. However, the influence of the activities of man on the occurrence of the hazard is very significant and will be discussed in the following section. There basically is a, a, a sinkhole you see, but you don't know whether, like, the best thing to see what's there is to go over the old quarry at 202, and I think they call it Sauron Boulevard now. Right. And you can see just all these seams and so forth. And that's that's where, when they did the, the, the Route 202 uh, by the quarry in 74, they used a system called Reinforced Earth. And what it would be like is, is just uh, strips of steel, you know, aluminum, stainless steel, just continuously crossed it and then build the soil on top. And actually, the Federal Highway did a report on that job. And that nothing's happened there until 74. Okay? Mm -hmm. it's, they're really bridging the... That's right. You, you, it, to fill the void could be sometimes very extensive. Mm -hmm. And it depends on what's on top of it. So that's what we would do. We would take, pump some uh, thinner grout and then thicken it up. 
And we reached a point where we couldn't, we reached a point of no return on the mm. amount of grout we would take, then bridge it. So we would dump quarry spools, which were about eight inches. And with what, are, glass, what are they? Well, Glasgow has it. He chops up, but they're about eight inches big, you know, irregular. Right. We call them quarry spools because okay. it's, it's not going through the crushers ran. It's just the spools off and they're economical. And then we would fill that with grout. Uh -huh. and uh, to try to bridge it. And it's been successful, I would say, pretty good. Mm -hmm. and, uh, a lot of times now, Joe's doing a lot of sealing ponds with chemicals that are leaking because uh, they're the things that cause it. You know, in a lot of places, even like Cabrini, you got, uh, <clears throat> you've got the golf courses. He's been up at North right. Hills doing them and so forth. But that's, this is because they, and they actually say if King of Prussia keeps going, they said that back in that uh, in the area what we're called the, the Maid Land Duffield Lawrenceville Association is King of Prussia, that the only thing to be left of ground not developed will be the golf course. And there's one that, there's I guess there's two golf courses close by, mm -hmm. and Valley Forge Park, and that's being threatened now, which I think is ridiculous. When you say threatened, what do you mean? Well, there was a contractor, you know, they've been in, in with the township trying to build a development there with oh, the township for 20-some right. years. Uh -huh. That's buying the golf course. Oh, you're talking about Hanson the golf had course. it. Yeah. I oh. think he still has it now. There's a couple others before him. And they've been in the courts, and the township lost recently. Right. And now they're appealing it, too. But that'll be a crime. Then it was similar to the other builder who owns ground along Valley Forge Park down along the creek there. He wanted to build houses there. Yeah. I forget his name, but uh, it's not necessary. But I think he ended up selling for a couple of million dollars to the to our taxes yeah. in the park there for the. To, it would have been a disgrace. But right. so the everybody's familiar with the Route 202 work mm -hmm. that was just completed. The estimated for grouting the sinkholes, which that's where 422 comes down from Warner Road and right. is the turnpike. And we did a lot of sinkholes at Warner Road for the Acorn and Pasquale. Estimated 28,000, 26 million it cost. To fill those holes. Huh? And they were drilling 200 feet. Uh, I'm, I'm working on getting the change orders so I can really study this thing, but uh, I haven't heard anybody from the ACI, I'm on the grounding committee, they came out and watched it. They couldn't believe their eyes. Well, were, they, they, were they just They were just drilling a hole and pumping stuff ready mix and... Uh, they just disappeared. <laughs> well, that's why uh, and the federal government came in and they wanted to use dynamic compaction which you, you raise a great big heavy weight, maybe a couple hundred feet in the air and let it drop. Mm -hmm. But uh, they said no. And uh, we did a lot of work for PennDOT years ago and did a lot of plans and specs in mm -hmm. Plymouth meeting and even around here. And uh, I'm concerned that PennDOT might be like a, a the president. When a new regime comes in, they don't pay much attention to what was done before, like District 6 we're in, they change it. it. Took me a year and a half to get the pourings from them going over there. Now I'm told I got to go to Rex Mackey 
And what I need is the, is the drawings that they bid off of and the change orders and why they went to 26 million. But I better stop there. <laughs> I don't have to worry about working for PennDOT anymore. But I mean, it's, uh, 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 I know the governor, because uh -huh. he helped me. I got the boathouse for St. Joe's uh -huh. Prep and St. Joe's University, the uh -huh. ground for the park, and Mandel was in there. So uh -huh. uh, uh, that's all. That's about, I'm retired, I don't do it, but I just got to get an answer. But it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, but my next step is the politicians, you know. Uh -huh. But anyway. Well, that was a, uh, that obviously was a um, much bigger project than they had anticipated <laughs> Well, uh, by a factor of uh, 100 I don't, <laughs> the, the, the head uh, geologist, who I know, I can't pronounce his name, I don't have it with me, he, years ago, he sent him to all the townships in the state. He had a simple form. When he had a sinkhole, he had 10 answers, send it to him. In Harrisburg, mm -hmm. he's with the uh, U.S. Geology for the uh, state. But I called him. He said, Henry, because I was concerned about why they, he said, Henry, I haven't gotten one from anybody. And it's similar to like the mine collapse of you met now that, that they had out in the West. Mm -hmm. They now got to start mapping them. And I think the township has done a pretty good job. If you, you know, it's downstairs on the drawing. There are about 11, but he's keeping a record of them, which uh, I stopped at 72 or 75. But the the worst thing you can do is cut all the overburden off in limestone. When you say the overburden, what's that? Well, you, there's a cut coming from 422 and Warner Road that must be 50, 60 foot deep, you know, where the road goes. Right. Well, in limestone, that's the worst thing you, worst thing you do. Right. Because now you're getting close to the rock. Right. So it starts there. And for $26 million, they could have built a bridge all the way to Philadelphia almost. Okay. You know, <laughs> but that's, that's the thing. That, and plus the location, loads of sinkholes at Acorn we worked on. And the, and the township has the records I did for them. And Pasquale loaned buildings back in there. Mm -hmm. So they were there. And I've been trying to find out why they, how did they come up with 28,000 estimate for sinkholes on that whole project? Let's see. But the worst thing is, is the 26 million. But I just feel that the tax pay, taxpayers are owed some answers there. If PennDOT had a big three-day meeting, and what upset me, he, he said, and we had those holes we drilled and put glop in it, and then they all laughed. That was his yeah. report mm -hmm. on the sinkholes, you know. But anyway, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all your kids go to MDP? All started except two. And <clears throat> Joe really needed some help. Mm -hmm. So we took him out and put him in St. Aloysius about third or fourth grade. Mm -hmm. He needed full nun right. just on him. <laughs> <laughs> Sort of one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> so I think then Louie and was next to last, and Kevin was our baby, and they went there. Uh-huh. But okay, and where did they go after that? Well, we'll start at the top. <clears throat> Michael went to Penn State. He's uh -huh. an environmental <clears throat> engineer in his own business out in Idaho, right. and he's the one adopting a Chinese baby. <clears throat> and Marines out in California. She's. She went to Villanova for engineering and uh -huh. Carol first. 
and uh, the boys all went to the prep, so that yeah. old St. Joe's prep now, yeah. cut that out. And she's out there now, but she she actually was a an engineer and worked for uh, Jimmy Smith, who was my wife's cousin. And she was up on the roof of the Spectrum inspecting it with him and everything, oh. you know. So then she went out in the oil fields, they hired her, and she was out working in Texas. Well, Maureen is about 45, 46, so women didn't go over in the oil fields. <laughs> <laughs> and she got her master's and all kinds of degrees. She was teaching at UCLA <clears throat> and in the computer field. And of course, uh, she lost the job uh, for about five months, but she's back in communications now, but she likes California. Uh -huh. And Henry, he went to he went to MDP all the way through, and so did Michael, and Emery. Uh, Henry's an orthopedic surgeon up in uh, Connecticut. Then we go <clears throat> to Lausanne. Uh -huh. She's the one, that, the bee sting. Right. And uh, she finally is about over it as of uh, two years ago. But there was a there was a problem there when she got she was allergic to bees. Jeez. Lausanne went through all MDP, and then she went to Notre Dame. <clears throat> and then she went to Boston College and she became a nurse and she was 10 years at Children's in Philadelphia. And about five, six years ago, she uh, transferred to uh, Providence, Rhode Island. There's a children's hospital up there. And then that's where she decided she went and got her uh, nurse practitioner at mm -hmm. Yale. Mm -hmm. And then she's now been at Children's Hospital in Boston for a number of years, and Becky Hill brings her back every year to, to lecture and talk, mm -hmm. but she's a super person. That's the one that just got mm -hmm. married. Mm -hmm. She was about 42 when she got married. But <clears throat> she actually works mostly with this Dr. McKaylee, who uh, does all the sports medicines, not just children's there. And in fact, if you in the Boston paper, they cover like the, the Boston Marathon and the ballet. They're there for, you know, it's gratitude. And there was a girl that passed out, and in the paper, it's already in, but Lizanne and the doctor quick rushed over, and the femur started to, to blow up. And the, the only thing the girl said, I have 40 feet to go. Would you just carry me across the finish line? <laughs> so they did. But then we come to uh, Joseph. Joseph is the one that you came to the house. He really had a very high temperature at that time. And... Uh, that, no, that my wife took her to you because you were covering moisture, and uh, later on you did come to make a house visit. To, all of them had something. I remember that <laughs> thing. But uh, Joe uh, wasn't dumb. He had the God gift of his hands, which my father could do anything with his hands. And he he got went to St. Joe's Prep. He went to summer school every year, but he got out, uh -huh. and then he went to the Johnson School of Technology. Uh -huh. I tried to get him, that's up in Scranton, I tried to get him in the, I think it's the Williamson School in Delaware. Right. It's excellent, but I would have had to die. In other words, that's, yeah. that's the <laughs> one. Of the and then we go to uh, Karen. <clears throat> she went to MDP, and then she went to Notre Dame, and then she went to Immaculata, and she's a teacher and has her master's at St. George University, mm -hmm. and uh, she's down in St. Peter's at uh, Third and... Lumbered or something, yeah. not Lumbered, uh, near Spruce. Yeah. Very nice school, and she loves it. And she just moved out to uh, 
the Ardmore area. She was living in town because the person she married already had an apartment downtown. But uh, they have a boy who uh, unfortunately had a lot of problems, but the Children's Hospital was, was excellent. There was a Dr. Berry down there. I don't know whether you remember him. He left yeah. about three years ago and went to Washington. But now he's back at Jefferson in a different field. But he was excellent. I see him a lot there. But uh, he just stayed by Seamus, and uh, he's doing fine now. Good. There. And then we come to Louis. <clears throat> Louis, uh, he, he didn't finish at MDP. He went over to, uh, since Joe went, he went over to St. Aloysius to, to finish. Then Louis went to St. Joe's Prep, and then he went to Boston College. And he went to, uh, he got his master's at St. Joe's there. And he knows his computer. Um, he, he had worked for Quest for a long time. It does the diagnostic does of the blood right? system. And about three years ago, he was in a situation where he had an opportunity <clears throat> to be laid off with a lot of benefits, because that's what he wanted. Cause he, and he sailed for two years going around even transatlantic and delivering boats. And <laughs> he still races with a boat called Chippewa. Uh -huh. But Louis is, uh, he's, he's not married. And Marina isn't married, they're the only two. So okay, Kevin, I think he went fully to St. Aloysius. Then he went to St. Joe's Prep. He rode there four years and they won the junior nationals in his junior year in the four. Then he went to Boston College and uh, then after he got out of college, uh, Mark Shriver had a program around, it was in Baltimore. I'm trying to think of the name of it, but they would take care of these delinquent mm -hmm. kids from school and go tutor them, do their homework, and make sure they showed up for school. I forget the name, I wish I could. So he spent about a year and a half down there. And Mark uh, was very good to him mm -hmm. there. And he, you know, it's, uh, it wasn't a great paying job, but uh, he got to know a lot of people. Right. And then he, uh, now, now he's been mostly in communications. I think he's been with like three or four of the telephone companies. Mm -hmm. Kevin is never out of the job more than four days because there's somebody waiting to pick him up. He's a very good salesman. He's smart and honest, and he has two children and lives in Drexel Hill. Well, I really appreciate you coming by oh. and talking. It's very interesting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for coming by yeah. today. Uh, thank you for asking me. There, there. Uh. That's it for this edition of Remember When. I'm Carl Schulteis, president of the King of Prussia Historical Society, and your host for this series of Upper Marion Township's oral history. Thanks for watching. Until next time and always, remember when.